This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. It's been a little lonely. No Logan Gordon with me. Because as you heard, he's been... uh, Filling in on the morning show. He's probably taking a nap right now. He is not here. So it's me, myself, and I for the next hour. We will have some guests joining us on the program. David Amber, host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey, NHL on Sportsnet, is going to join us shortly here to open up the hour, take a look around the league, uh, maybe look. We're we're, um, under 60 days away from the trade deadline. Is it too soon to start talking about What might happen? What are some predictions? Who are the teams that are going to define the trade deadline this season? Is it too soon to talk about that? I don't think so. I think there's some teams who uh, are already ready (laughs) to start selling off players, teams who might make some deals early. So we'll chat a bit about that with David Amber. Also look around the league. There was 11 games on the schedule last night, only three tonight. So get a mix of that in with David, friend of the show. And then we're going to have our weekly Pat chat with Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk on Sports at 960. We'll uh, dive in a little bit deeper on the Calgary Flames, who lost uh, 3-2 to two in Winnipeg last night against the Jets. Another one-goal loss for the Calgary Flames. Why do the Flames continue to be in these close games? Why do they continue to lose in those matchups? We can talk to Pat a little bit about that when he joins the show Later in the hour, I don't know if that's an even, you know, really deep conversation as it relates to the Calgary Flames. Why do they keep losing these close games? Why are they in so many close games? I think we heard a little bit. We heard a little bit of it from Daryl Sutter last night. Um, Another close game and another close game where nobody really stepped up to take the game over, right? We saw some good stuff from the Backland line. We saw some good stuff from Backland. I mean, he scored the game tying goal after... The Winnipeg Jets took their second lead of the game to make it 2-2. But other than that, nobody stepped up again. The Jets make it 3-2. You know, who is going to get that game-tying goal? Who's going to get the next goal? Who's going to get the game winner against Connor Hellebuck, who did have an excellent game as expected? Um, And maybe this is something we could have expected this season from the Calgary Flames, who lost some of their game-breaking talents and Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kuchuk. And I I know it's tough because we keep going back into that well, and I don't like continuing to talk about what they lost, um, but that those were significant subtractions from the lineup and, and the Flames added some pieces that give them, you know, a deeper group on paper. Um, but that's a game where you would have liked to see the the new faces in the lineup step up. You want to see a Jonathan Huberto game tying goal or an Osmo Kadri game tying goal. Um, perhaps that's unfair, but we didn't see that last night. Um, and it wasn't just those two who maybe didn't bring enough energy or bring enough to that game. I think that was a game where there was just not enough top to bottom from the Calgary Flames against a shorthanded Winnipeg Jets team. This is a Jets team who, when they're fully healthy, probably aren't getting enough respect nationally as one of the elite teams in the NHL. Um, I think there's been a lot of conversations about how, you know, it's just Connor Hellebuck. He's the band-aid over the issues. Uh, he's the best player on that team. The Jets aren't that good. The real Jets will show their faces soon. Um, I think they've looked pretty good this season, and they played really well last night. Again, it's a good Jets team with a very good goalie, 
and they were down several important players last night and still beat the Flames 3-2. to two. No Cole Perfetti, no Blake Wheeler, no Nate Schmidt, no Nikolai Ehlers. And the Flames couldn't capitalize on that. And they lose that game 3-2 to two. again. We will dig into more of that with Pat Steinberg. I think one of the, the nice, I guess, a silver lining from that game, one of the positives is, again, uh, Michael Backlund scoring that goal. Um, the play of the Backlund line recently has been pretty good. I like the combination with Coleman and Mangiapane. They had a nice game last night. And again, Pat Steinberg will join us. Later in the hour, Flames were one of 11 games on the schedule last night, as mentioned. One of the games that I was keeping an eye on, Buffalo Sabres beat the Washington Capitals 5-4 in overtime last night. Tage Thompson with a hat trick, including the game winner in overtime. He's up to 30 goals on the season, only three behind Connor McDavid for the league lead. Uh, the shorthanded Blues beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 6-5 in a shootout last night. I don't think that was what people expected when they saw that, you know, the Blues, that Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko would be heading into Toronto, who's had a really big win streak, and they've been very good at home on the season. Uh, they dropped that game to St. Louis in a shootout. There were a couple of games with Pacific Division interest last night. The Seattle Kraken beat the Edmonton Oilers 5-2. to two. Edmonton made it two to one in the second period. So they get a goal in the first period by Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And then Connor McDavid scores less than a minute into the second period. It's two nothing Oilers and the Kraken have a four goal second period. And the Oilers just never got back into it. Uh, LA Kings beat the Dallas Stars three to two last night. Adrian Kempe with the game winner. So a little bit of shuffling in the Western Conference in the Pacific Division. Seattle goes back to third in the Pacific. The Flames in the first wild card spot, Edmonton and wild card two in the Colorado Avalanche, still on the outside looking in in the Western Conference playoff picture. It's still early. I don't think people are worried about Colorado because they've had a ton of injuries and now Nathan McKinnon's back, um, but they've still lost. Um, you know, they lose the Toronto Maple Leafs the other night, excuse me, and Nathan McKinnon's return, and they are still outside the wild card picture. Uh, let me know in the text line, 960-960, are you worried about the Avs? Do we care? I don't know. I'm sure they're going to end up coming and taking one of those spots in the Central Division, and it's still quite early, still only January as the calendar just flips to 2023. Um, moving on, the World Junior Championships, it's semifinal game day. Canada taking on Team USA tonight at 5 p.m. That's 7 o'clock Eastern for anyone listening to this on demand later because the show is on demand. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The U.S. won its group in steamrolled Germany in its quarterfinal matchup. Meanwhile, Canada finished second in Group A and drew a tough matchup against Slovakia, escaping with that 4-3 overtime victory with some heroics from Connor Bedard, who has been absolutely the story of the tournament. And uh, this will be the first time these two teams play against each other at the World Juniors since the gold medal game in 2021. That game was played in the bubble in Edmonton, so this is going to be a much better environment, obviously, with lots of fans back in the building. Two of those fans going to be Peter Labardius from Sportsnet 960. You know him well. Flames insider Peter Labardius had a nice post. He's taking his son to that game, so they're going to have a ton of fun, I'm sure. The U.S. has won each of its last three medal round games against Canada, um, but they've never had to try to slow Conor Bedard down in this context, him playing 
this way at this tournament. So we'll see what happens between Canada and the U.S. And we had a really long chat with Scott Wheeler last night or yesterday afternoon, excuse me, about uh, Canada and the U.S. teeing up that game. So if you missed that conversation, you can listen to that on demand wherever you get your podcast. Another bit of news, Jacob Vrana cleared waivers this afternoon. Detroit Red Wings head coach Derek Lalonde did not want to get into details of the conversations between himself and GM Steve Eiserman on why Brana was raved, waived. Excuse me. Ultimately appears this was about getting his game back into order. And with what Vrana has been through the last few months with being in the NHLPA player assistance program, the organization wants to give him privacy and not go into the details about why he was waived by the program. Um, Vrana was traded to Detroit at the 2020-21 deadline in that Anthony Mantha deal. And then last season, he had a last-minute surgery, missed the first four months of the season, played in 26 games, looked really good in those games, 13 goals, 19 points. And then he entered the program this year. So he really hasn't had that much time playing at his full peak or his full potential, full speed for the Detroit Red Wings. And now it looks like he'll continue to play in the American Hockey League with Grand Rapids, where he was on a conditioning stint before the holiday break. Uh, The Grand Rapids team plays tonight against Cleveland, and we will likely see Vrana in that game. But that's enough from me. That's our news dump of the day before heading to the atlas pizza guest hotline so we're going to bring in front of the show david amber he is host of rogers monday night hockey nhl on sportsnet he joins us now david how are you people who said happy new year like almost into february <laughs> sorry we're almost into february is that what is? I, said, I said i'm one of those people who says happy new year right in almost into february so uh, <laughs> how are you doing Good, good. Yeah, it's, it is a happy new year. See, I'm one of those people who I, I never say that. Maybe I'm rude. It's like, hey, there's so many people over the holidays like, hey, Merry Christmas, Happy Belated Christmas or Happy New Year. I'm like, oh, hey. I don't you know. just ignore it. I just ignore it. Yeah, thanks. We'll see how this year goes. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that's good. You know what? It's um, it's, it's It wasn't a great start. I was watching last night for the Canadian teams and I was I'm on this text chain with, with some of the other colleagues at Sportsnet, and I'm like, oh, my God, the Flames just lost. And, no, granted, they lost to Winnipeg, so that's not a bad thing, but the Flames maybe need the points more than Winnipeg. Then the Oilers lost and the Canucks lost. Uh, the Leafs lost. The Canadians lost yeah. again. I was like, oh, boy, not a great, uh, not a great day for the Canadian teams to, to kick off uh, 2023. No, but you know what? The Ottawa Senators beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. Signs of that life in true. Ottawa, maybe? That is true. You know what? I'd love to see them start to make a bit of a run. And it's sort of business as usual for them, right? A bad start. And then they finally kind of get their a uh, little bit of momentum and a little bit of stability. And then they start to become a very tough team to play against. So it'd be really great for Ottawa. And, you know, there is signs of encouragement. Um, you know, Claude Giroux played so great of, of late. And remember, they're doing this without Josh Norris. And that's a big piece of their offense. So to be missing him and to be sort of trekking along the way they are has been pretty impressive the last, you know, three, four weeks. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the other games we was watching, you were on Wednesday Night Hockey between the Leafs and Blues last night, the 6-5 shootout win for a shorthanded Blues team. Uh, not what most people were expecting from a game without Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko, but it was kind of fun and chaotic at times. You get a, was, you get a William Nylander 88.2 mile, pl- mile per hour slapper from distance. And you're like, okay, you know what? I'm awake. I can watch this for a bit. 
Yeah, it was it was uh, it was absolute chaos there for a little while, especially in the second period, where every two minutes uh, looked like a puck was going into the net. Probably a little more chaos than Sheldon Keefe would like, and certainly more than Craig Berube uh, would like to witness. Uh, you know what? In fact, it, what's alarming about the Blues is the, the amount of goals they give up and the amount of opportunities. But the Leafs sort of was one of those classic, you know, playing down to your opponent sounds disrespectful to St. Louis. But no Tarasenko, no O'Reilly, no Krug. And the Leafs just came out pretty sloppy and flat. And they kind of got what they deserved. They they did, you know, come back, albeit, you know, late in the game to tie it and, and grab the point, and they almost won it in overtime. In fact, they had the puck the whole first two and a half minutes of overtime, which was very exciting. But, um, you know, ultimately a lot of defensive breakdowns, so and they didn't get solid goaltending from Samsonov to make the big save at the big time, although he was pretty good in overtime. And I wonder if that, I'm wondering if that is becoming somewhat of a concern this is now four straight poor starts for Samsonov you know he's allowed four plus goals uh, on average in the last four starts and he hasn't looked particularly sharp uh, in any of those games albeit you know he's won a few of them Um, so I do wonder if that's a concern and then special teams last night were which has been such a staple for this Maple Leafs team over the last few years as you know and they give up two power play goals and they also gave up a short-handed goal when they had five forwards out uh, to try and score on the power play. So all in all, it was a pretty crappy night for Toronto. And we'll see tomorrow night. We have them again on Sportsnet Ontario uh, hosting Seattle. We'll see if they can rebound tomorrow. Mm-hmm. One of the things we were talking about, and I say we, I'm by myself today. One of the things I was talking about before he joined the show is uh, Jacob Brana clearing waivers this afternoon. Uh, the Red Wings are, you know, obviously trying to not – give too many details because of what Varane has been through. He's coming out of the NHLPA player assistance program. They're trying to give him his privacy, but we did see a really great player in the 26 games he played last season after coming back from surgery, 13 goals, 19 points. It hasn't been, you know, a seamless transition for him to the Red Wings. Were you surprised that, that nobody picked him up when he was on waiver wire? Well, maybe it is some of the question marks surrounding where he's at physically, maybe where he's at even, you know, emotionally or mentally. And um, without knowing all the details, it's hard to speculate. And and it's not really our business to when he has, you know, if there's any issues Mm -hmm. off the ice to be um, addressed. I I guess he's 26 years of age. He has shown to be a legitimate talent. Um, If I'm not mistaken, did he not win a cup with with Washington in 2000? He was part of that cup team, wasn't he, as a young man? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got the pedigree and everything else. There's probably a couple things that potentially scared off some teams. What is it? A $5.2 million cap hit this year and next. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big you know, enchilada to be on, on the end of your salary cap. If, if you don't know exactly what you're getting, he's undeniably a talented player and maybe that price tag and the, you know, the unknowns scared a few teams or a lot of teams away. Um, but yeah, it is a bit curious that, you know, someone I was just reading today, uh, what was it? He's, he's second to Austin Matthews and five on five goals per 60 minutes or whatever. Like he's right up there in the last few years with some of the elite, elite players. And here's a guy, you know, technically entering his prime. So, um, he didn't impress in the AHL. And I think that was like a conditioning stint. And I'm sure that was in some cases an audition, both to get back to Detroit or to be moved, and it didn't showcase very well there. And I guess the other part of it is this. Robbie Fratbury is going to make his season debut tonight back from that ACL injury. Yes. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is very close to returning. 
you have some big ticket items and maybe it was really a matter of could Steve Eiserman and the management team fit him in under the cap or could they, you know, remove him from the cap um, in, in some way, shape or form and help bring back Fabry and Bertuzzi, et cetera. So sure, there might have been some cap gymnastics involved in this well, in, in this as well. Yeah, and it, absolutely, I'm with you. It's not on us to kind of speculate on how he's doing the off-ice part. There's uh, a lot more to consider than just that as well as you kind of walk through, David. Um, speaking of Washington, because he was on those Capitals teams, a lot of people, like me, were kind of ready to write them off. I will say I always kind of had the asterisks of, like, I'll believe it when I see it, that the Washington Capitals window is shut, but they're 11th in the league right now. Were you one of the people who were like, yeah, they're going to be fine? Or were you like, oh, yeah, they're they're toast, but it looks like they're they're trucking along on a they've been playing some pretty good hockey lately. For a couple of years now, um, and I hope Brian Burke's not listening, but for a couple of years, I've wondered <laughs> about Pittsburgh and Washington. And yes, I'm, I'm not listen, like undeniably you don't bet against the likes of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. You know, Alexander Ovechkin, I get that. But I'm kind of just, I was looking at the supporting cast surrounding those superstar players. I'm just wondering, you know, in a league that's gotten so young and so fast and so dynamic, would these teams be able to, you know, hold fort? And in Washington's case, I just, you know, it was there was a lot of question marks. They got rid of their goalie tandem and they brought in Kemper, who obviously just won a cup. But you're kind of wondering... Is the transition from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference going to be easy? He's looking up. There's no Kale McCarr. There's no Josh Manton. There's, you know, no Taves, et cetera. You know, it's a very different blue line in Washington. And I was wondering how it would all work out. And they've been surprisingly good. And what shocked me most about Washington, Ailey, is just like, you, you look at any team. Now John Carlson's out long-term after taking a puck to the face and a really nasty shot from, from Brendan Dillon and, you know, we're not sure exactly the extent of John Carlson's injury, but we're told it's long-term. Oshie's missed a whole series of games. Backstrom hasn't played this year. Tom Wilson hasn't played this year. You take out those dynamic star players off of any roster. I don't care what team. Take them off any single roster, and there's going to be problems. Look at Colorado and all the injuries they've had, and look at the problems they've had, you know, accumulating points and wins compared to last mm-hmm. year. And that would be a normal regression and somehow, credit to Peter Laviolette and credit to some of these guys, credit to Sonny Milano, who, you know, couldn't sign on with other teams and jumps in there and takes full advantage, sort of beautiful breakaway goal last night. Um, you know, guys have really, you know, relished the opportunity they've been given. And now Baxter and Wilson are skating again, and there's hopes they're going to return sooner than later. I mean, that, that's a great story. The fact that Washington's fighting, you know, I wouldn't say for first in that division because Carolina's been so good and they get Max Pacioretty back now. But they're certainly fighting, you know, for a playoff spot. They're right there with the Rangers and the Devils and Pittsburgh. Uh, It's a great storyline coming out of Washington this year. It's got to be tough for the Flames who just need, you know, a little something last night. They lose the Jets 3-2. to There just wasn't enough top to bottom last night. You know, another close game, you know, another close game where someone doesn't step up. And you get Sonny Milano. I know the Capitals lost in overtime last night. Tage Thompson gets the game winner, another hat trick. He's got 30 goals. But, I mean, Sonny Milano, he was on a PTO, and he's got 18 points a season, six goals. And he had, a, again, that beautiful goal last night, two points against Buffalo. It's funny. The, the knock on Calgary to some degree last year was they were too top-heavy. They were too reliant on that one incredible line. 
I actually distinctly remember joining you on, I think it was the first week of, of your show here, and we were talking about Calgary, and we both agreed that, I, I think, you know, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but I oh, thought yes. we both agreed Calgary would be better this year. Yeah. We actually liked the fact that they had more balance, uh, they could defend, yet they also had some dynamic different players in Kadri and Huberto. Their blue line was deeper with Uyghur, and it just hasn't worked out. And, and what we you know, pinpointed, a lot of people in the hockey community said, wow, once that line got neutralized come the playoff time you know, against the Battle of Alberta, Kachuk and Lindholm and Gaudreau were pretty much silenced, and they didn't have the secondary scoring, the complementary pieces, you know, the Mangiapane, Stafoli, et cetera. They suddenly you know, needed more from those guys. They didn't get it. And then you look at the balance of the team this year, and you said, okay, well, they're a bit more balanced. They have three lines they could score, et cetera. And it hasn't worked out that way at all. And I'm sure there's some puck luck involved, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're just – the finish hasn't been there. And I'm sure they would die to have a line like they had last year, which was arguably the best line in hockey. So you, you're, you're 100% right. I just – it's a bit curious, and I still love the parts on that Flames team, and I still have high hopes for them. But it has been uh, a much more difficult – first half of the season than I anticipated for Calgary. And they're still kicking around. They're still doing well. I mean, they lose to the Jets last night, but uh, the Oilers lose to the Kraken. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche are still dealing with coming back from from their slate of injuries, and the Flames are sitting first in the wild card. Again, it's January, so I always feel weird. Scoreboard, standing, watching at this point, but we are in 2023 now. It's still Happy New Year until February, so... Uh, what's your level of concern with the Colorado Avalanche, David? You know, they're on the outside looking in the West playoff picture. Again, it's still pretty early. McKinnon just got back. There's still a bunch of guys off. But as you mentioned, the Washington Capitals are back to 11th, and they still don't have everybody back. And then they're clicking along differently. So how, how do you feel about Colorado this season? Um, I'm really not concerned. And the reason I'm not concerned is twofold. First of all, McKinnon just came back. They're, they're you know, Landis Cog will hopefully be back soon um, ish. And, and uh, Nikushkin's been, you know, back and forth. We'll see, you know, how severe this repeat of the ankle injury is for him. But um, I just think they're too good. I think they're too good to miss the playoffs. And quite frankly, when you look at the teams they're chasing down, you know, I think it's a tougher chase in the Eastern Conference um, with some of the teams that are on that periphery. When I look at the struggles Edmonton has had, you know, losing five straight at home, and we just talked about Calgary. I'm not sold on Seattle. You know, Seattle, you know, their goalies have a combined, I think, like an 896 save percentage or something, and somehow they're in a playoff spot, which is somewhat surprising to me. And, and even the Kings, you know, uh, Colorado has played five fewer games than the Kings. Five fewer games. I mean, that's not insignificant, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're nine points back, but they've got those games in hand. And I, I just – I don't, I don't, I can't see a scenario in April with the Colorado Avalanche not in the playoffs. I just can't see it. There's just too much talent. And I wouldn't say it's been a Stanley Cup hangover because I think they've had a, a myriad of injuries. At one point, they had five of their top six forwards out. I mean, that's significant. Um, but I could also see them understanding, you know, you don't need to win the President's Trophy to win the Stanley Cup. You know, I think they. Think they, I think when teams go through what they went through last year and saw the grind of going four rounds and winning the Cup and Tampa, same thing. They, I'm not saying they're pacing themselves, but I also think they're not alarmed. And they, they, not that they could flip a switch as much as you know, they feel the confidence of being able to win games if they have to win games down the stretch. And I, I feel that confidence for them. I just think they're too talented to not make the playoffs. 
I think they've gained the benefit of the doubt based on how dominant they were last season when they were healthy and clicking on full cylinders. Mm-hmm. That that looked like an unstoppable team at times last season, just so yeah. dominant from top to bottom. Um, all right, a couple more here for you, David. So tonight it's Team Canada versus Team USA, World Junior Semifinals. How many teams are finally going to commit to the tank after watching Connor Bedard tonight? If they haven't already done it already. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Elliot was saying that on our show last night. I don't think he's wrong, but I think all they'd have to do is make a quick call over to um, to Buffalo and ask how that went when they tanked to try and get Connor McDavid. <laughs> I mean, and that's right. when it was even a higher likelihood of, of finishing last and getting the top player. You'll have to correct me on this if I'm wrong, but from what I know, in the last 10 years, two teams have finished dead last and ended up winning the lottery. That was Montreal last year, Slavkovsky, and 2016, um, Austin Matthews to Toronto. Those mm-hmm. teams finished last. The other teams that finished last, Buffalo finished last twice in a row and missed out on McDavid and missed out on Ekblad. Um, you know, so that happens. You know, it was, it was what, Sam Reinhardt and, and uh, Jack Eichel for them. So, and who neither are now playing out. for Buffalo. Yeah, like that, that's exactly my point. So you can, you know, as Elliot has said before, you make plans and God laughs or something like that. It's some saying his grandmother had. And I get what he's saying. Like, there's only, you know, there's two ways to look at it. I'm, we're going to tank. We're going to try and finish dead last. And woohoo, we have an 18% chance of winning the draft lottery. Or we're going to tank, we're going to finish last. And we have an 82% chance of not winning the draft lottery. So, you know, I'm not a math major, but I know 82 is much, uh, much greater number than 18. So there's certainly no guarantees. And, you know, recent history has shown that. Um, it doesn't make it easier for teams maybe on that cusp or on that precipice. And, you know, they're 10th or 11th in their conference. Is it easier for the Vancouver's or, you know, the, you know, Nashville to maybe say, mm, you know, trading at home or, or trading whoever isn't a bad idea simply because the reward could be so great. Yeah. I think there's going to be some GMs in the next two to three weeks that maybe it's easier to pull the plug. And uh, we had that conversation yesterday during the blues game, right? Like mm-hmm. Tarasenko and O'Reilly out, you know, does that make them bonafide sellers? And it's not a bad year to sort of say, look, we have a slew of injuries. Our team's underperforming and imagine the reward. Imagine if a, a good team like St. Louis can kind of, bottom out a little bit this year they're too good to be horrible but let's say they you know somehow finish in a position where they're at least getting a few lottery balls um it's not a bad year to be having you know being part of that lottery that's for sure so i do think some teams will probably join it but i would proceed with caution because there's just no guarantees at all Mm -hmm. one of the teams i look at and you just go oh gosh you know maybe they end up doing a little bit better down the stretch but the florida panthers have a 5% chance at the winning the lottery. Uh, but that's not their pick. It's Montreal's because of the uh, yeah. Ben Chirac trade from last year. And that, that would be tough. That would be, oh, that'd be, that would be bad. <laughs> would feel that would be not good. Yeah. Completely unforeseen, right? Like you, yeah. you finish, you win the president's trophy, you have 122 points. I mean, that that's, it's funny. We were talking a little bit of Calgary there. Think about the two guys who left Calgary, right? Johnny mm-hmm. Gaudreau, Dead last in the East, you know, they're done this year, uh, Columbus, and he left on his own volition. And Matthew Kachuk essentially, you know, asked out of of um, of Calgary and gave a very short list of teams he'd be happy to go to. And I know it's just year one. He has a whole future in Florida, and he's playing great and had a hat trick yesterday and all the rest. But, 
you know, they're going to have to fight tooth and nail. I mean, they're sixth. In fact, they're not even sixth. They're seventh in the Atlantic Division right now. And I'm not sure, like, when you're trying to track down Toronto and Tampa and Boston, that's not an easy road. I mean, there's just not a lot of room there for them to to be ready to go. So um, it's funny, the guys who kind of wanted out of Calgary, not that Calgary's doing great right now either, but... Man, it's it's tough sledding, and and it's been of all the teams, you know. I wonder how Paul Maurice feels right now because I'm pretty sure when he, you know, he resigned from Winnipeg, and it looked like greener pastures to go to Florida, right? And the early returns just haven't been very good. Yeah, yeah. The Flames are the only team of those three that are in the playoffs right now. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay, the last question I was going to ask you, David. We're still a ways away from the trade deadline, but we're under 60 days now. We're 59 days away from the deadline in March. I think this year's deadline is going to run through Chicago this season with Kane and Taves both pending unrestricted free agents. They've been dominating the conversation, you know, since the beginning of the season. You know, where are they going to end up? Are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Who wins the sweepstakes, et cetera? Taking Chicago off the table for this conversation, who are the teams that you think are going to define the trade market this season? Great question. Um, I'll say Vancouver. It's been drama since opening night where they blew a 3-0 lead against Edmonton between the comments from Jim Rutherford, the, the you know daily comments essentially from Bruce Boudreau and the, you know, the latest ones where he's really just ripping the team and, and how they're performing. JT Miller's been in the news. Bull Horvath's been in the news. Uh, you know, it looks like they have this new management team who want to maybe leave their stamp on the team. This isn't the team that they designed. This is essentially the team that was handed over from Jim Benning to them. You have a UFA and your captain, Bo Horvat. You have disgruntled might be the wrong word, but just a guy who's it's just not going so well from right now. And JT Miller, who starts a new deal next year. Um, you know, they basically said every single person were listened to offers on, except for, I guess, Pedersen. I think, did they say Hughes or did they just say Pedersen? I can't even remember, but it sounds like everyone is a possibility. And there's some great chips to play there. You know, if you're the New York Rangers and you could find a way to make this work financially, you know, to bring back a guy like JT Miller, or if you're New Jersey and you're sitting there and you see how well your team has played and you want some veteran presence with Heeshear and Hughes or whatever – you can kind of go, you can find fits for so many good players on Vancouver on other teams. And you have a management team that's basically made it clear that they are ready to change the makeup of the team. So to me, yes, Chicago, Kane and Taves, and and that's going to definitely be a big part of what we're going to see. Vancouver is right there. And, and even St. Louis, you know, Tarasenko and O'Reilly will be healthy by trade deadline and both are UFAs, and, you know, you could fetch a, a king's ransom for, for guys who've won the cup, who can do different things, win face-offs, kill penalties, score big goals. Um, you know, it could be – I was saying this with Elliot and Anthony Stewart last night. I really do think this could be the most dynamic trade deadline, you know, we see in the, in the days and weeks leading up to it in, in the much – you know, in a long, long time, in recent memory. And there's also probably 10 teams that, as much as – Connor Bedard's tantalizing. There's probably 10 teams that are going, well, we can win the Stanley Cup. You right. start adding guys like Kane and Taves and Horvat and, and O'Reilly. I mean, those are the sorts of pieces where those aren't insignificant pieces, right? Those are pieces where it's like, wow, this could put us over the top. So I, I think it's going to be an amazing, as you say, 59-day run-up to trade deadline on March 3rd. 
Great stuff, David. We'll see how the flames fit into this puzzle because it should be an interesting one. We'll see how they fit in. Uh, thanks so much for the insight and the time. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I'm going to say this one last time. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you too, David. Take care. There, there goes David Amber on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. That conversation brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come on in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza at 403-248-3344. Coming up next, yes, it is time for the regular weekly Pat Chat with Pat Steinberg. That's coming up next on Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Final segment of the show. Welcome back, everybody. Haley Salvian here. We're going to go right to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline because it's been a while, but it's back. It's the Pat Chat uh, Wednesday edition with Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk on Sports at 960. You hear him on the pregame, postgame, everything in between. Pat, what's up? How are you? Good. How are we, friends? Oh, great. It's just me. There's no Logan. He's ditched me for the morning show, so I've been talking to myself for the last 45 minutes. That's why I said singular friend. I know, like, I know there's no Logan. It's just, it's just oh. friend Haley today. I thought you said friends. I was like, nope, no friends here. Not Cameron or Taylor. No, just they're me. definitely not my friends. Not I heard friends. friends. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. yes. They don't like me. I don't like them. We're just, oh. We coexist and that's it. For sure. Text me about that later. I'm very curious about what's, uh, what's the drama. There's no drama. They're the best. I love them. <laughs> Amazing. Well, uh, Calgary Flames coming off a 3-2 loss to the Winnipeg Jets last night. I talked a bit about it off the top. It was one of those games where it just seemed like there wasn't enough top to bottom, and it was another close game for a team, another close game where nobody really stepped up. And I talked about this a bit, text line. So, you know, it's pretty straightforward. It's not that deep. We lose close games because we don't have the scoring power to overcome one-goal deficits or gain a significant lead. That was from the text line, 960-960. It is open, Pat. What did you make of last night's game and, and the Flames kind of continuing to lose these close games? Yeah, it was It was strange because it was one of those nights where, you know, sometimes, sometimes I think, and, and I'm going to steal this right from uh, Wes Gilbert, and I was texting with him a little bit, last night after the game and, and he's going to be on with uh with me in hour one of flames talk today and um and, and basically like the the term that he used was you know sometimes a 3-2 loss is just a 3-2 loss and not super indicative of anything um more serious or anything that is you know any any deeper than that i think there's something to that from last night's game now I do think, like, the text line's not wrong, and, and I, I got lots of it on postgame on Tuesday night as well, and I, it's, it's not wrong at all to say that, you know, it is kind of still indicative of the, I don't know if it's a problem as much as it is kind of who they are. They're, and I, I spoke to Blake Coleman about this today. Like, they are going to be a team that more often than not is going to be grinding through games. And if you can win more of those games that you're grinding out than lose – then you're probably going to be in the playoffs. And what's been interesting this year is they've now played in a league-leading 24 one-goal games, and they've won 10 of them, lost 14 of them, but seven of them they've got to extra time. So I don't know how you read that because, you know, on the one hand, if you're projecting towards the playoffs, 
three on three overtime and, and what happens after 60 minutes is kind of irrelevant because you don't play three on three in the playoffs. And so getting 17 games to extra time and winning 10 of them in, in 60 minutes, I think on the one hand, you could say, okay, there's some positives if you get to the playoffs and you're comfortable playing in one goal games. On the other hand, yeah, it's, it's very clear that this team has had struggles this year. And I don't really think that this is anything that is going to be significantly rectified between now and, and April. I, I just think this team is going to have trouble all year pulling away. And I think the text line is accurate in saying that to turn a one goal lead or a one, one and two, two tie last night into a last year, all of a sudden Backlund scores that goal in the third period last night. We've, we probably saw three or four times last year where they turned that into a five, two lead as opposed to allowing the Jets to score the next one less than three minutes later and, and having trouble tied that third time. I just, I think it's going to be tough for the Flames to pull away, and we've seen that through the first 39. We're almost halfway through the season, and I don't think that's going to be rectified in such a large way that all of a sudden in the second half of the season they start being this team that can blow games wide open. That's, that's part of who they are, and it's something that if they make it to the playoffs, and I still think that they will, I, I think it will serve them nicely come playoff time because they're going to be so used to playing on games that are teetering there on the razor's edge. But at the same time, you've got to win enough of those games when you're playing in so many of them during the regular season so that it can mean something after April 12th. So it's an interesting spot they're in, but I do think it's true that, you know, part of why they've been in so many one goal games is because there is an inability for them uh, at times to, to pull away and, whether it's the game against Vancouver where it's 3 nothing, and all of a sudden Vancouver comes back and makes it a one-goal game and they, they didn't really had a couple of opportunities on New Year's Eve to put it away and turn three into four, and that probably does it. Yeah, I, I just I think that's going to be one of the themes all season long and something that they battle against all season long. Mm-hmm. Something in the text line here, uh, DJ power play Pat needs to step his game up and then – we will win more. Don't worry. I already told them, don't you blame the DJ. It's not your fault, Pat. Don't let anybody tell I mean, you that. If, if, I were, if I were spinning tunes uh, at, at sure. playing the teams, there would be significantly more swear words in the songs. And otherwise, it would probably be the same. They, they have to play the edited versions. If they <laughs> let me on, they'd, you know, it'd be, uh, they'd, they'd be the ones with the E beside them. That would be the only change I would make. And then I'd be instantly fired. <laughs> Yeah. Incredible. Uh, I think you kind of stole my point in what you were talking about before. I, I'm with you. Like not every loss needs to be a referendum on the team. Sometimes a three, two loss is just a three, two loss. I'm with you guys on that. And and I think it's interesting because this is very, um, you know, it's, it's fitting with the way that we've been talking about this flames team year over year. And, you know, the flames aren't going to have the best top line in hockey anymore, but they should have more depth. And yeah, the flames aren't going to be blowing teams out of the water, but they should maybe be more battle-tested in the playoffs being in these close games versus winning all these blowouts in the regular season and regulation that we know don't happen in the postseason, right? So I think there's something to be said there, but they need to start showing that they can be the team that gets the two points of regulation in those close games. And what's the, what's the fix for that? Like, what do you think needs to happen? Is it, is it just a matter of guys like Huberto, um, you know, getting more comfortable and starting to produce in Calgary? Is it line changes? Like, what's the, the missing piece there, in your opinion, Pat? 
Well, I, I think I think we've seen a little bit of it through the month of December. And and so I know they kick off January with a regulation loss and a one goal regulation loss, but they were five one and one heading into last night's game. And in some of those games you take a look at at who stepped up when they needed it. Um, you know, it's Rasmus Anderson scoring the game winner in Anaheim. It's Jonathan Huberto scoring the game winner in Seattle. It's uh, Huberto making that great pass to Lindholm in the San Jose game to, to give them the, the breathing room again. It's, uh, it's what, Nazem Kadri scoring the game winner on the Lucic draw, the, the Huberto-Lucic passing play in the other game in San Jose right after the Sharks had finally tied it. And, and so I actually think we're starting to see what I think will be the fix of more of these close games falling in Calgary's favor. And, and that fixes their best players stepping up at, at most important times. And, you know, I even thought, you know, the line that was going the most last night, they delivered when they needed it in a 2-1 game. Michael Backlund uh, takes advantage of, a, you know, Josh Morrissey's, maybe Josh Morrissey's only mistake last night as he uh, kind of put an ill-advised soft chip up the boards and, and pinched maybe when he shouldn't have. And then the, uh, his D partner falls, and next thing you know, it's a 2-1-0 and Backlund's in all alone and makes no mistake. Like, that's Backlund stepping up big time and, and finishing when the team needs it the most. And I know that was the last goal they scored last night, but, you know, you're seeing Lindholm and Kadri and Toffoli and Huberdo. These guys are starting to produce and starting to score goals and put up points, make plays more than we had seen prior, and they're doing it at big times. And, and I know that last night they end up losing, but I do think even in an 8-4-4 and four month of December, they, we saw a little bit more of that. So I, that actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really not feeling any different about the Flames after the loss in Winnipeg as I was going in. I, because I still think that they played a brand of hockey that is – the way they need to play. They didn't give up a whole lot. They generated less than they would have liked and generated less than we've seen of late, but they didn't give up much at all last night. Two redirects and and a great kickout pass from Connor to, to Morrissey on the 2-1 goal, but really there, there wasn't a whole lot that either team generated last night, and the other team just found a way to win one more. But I do, even after last night, I do feel like the Flames are starting to forge an identity for themselves and starting to be true to that identity on a more regular basis. So, you know, I think that that fix that you talk about is, is already in the works and we're already starting to see it. And, and if all of a sudden they start, they, they, they drop five of their next six, well, maybe I'm a little less, little less keen on that. But from what I saw through December, especially in the back half of December and, and didn't really see anything that would shake my confidence in this, in their first game in January, I, I feel like they are still moving in the right direction. And, and saying all that, while they are moving in the right direction, they're still going to end up being a group that has more trouble scoring than other teams do in this league. And, and that's going to be something that they battle with and grind with all year long. Yeah, one note in the text line. Uh, if the Flames are having a rough time closing out regular season tight games, why would they be able to do so in the playoffs? Uh, that's from Dylan in Revy. It's a fair question, Dylan. Uh, you're right. But that's why we have 
you know, another half of the season for the Flames to play so we can learn even more if they can start to turn that around and start to win some of those games. Uh, we've got a couple more minutes here. Like, we got a minute left with you, Pat, actually. Very quickly, okay. what's the storyline that's going to define the Flames in 2023? This is my super generic Happy New Year okay. Pat track question. I hated uh, that, but answer it anyways. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I think the what what is going to be the story is is can they start to swing more of these close games in their direction? Uh, I, I honestly think that's going to be it. Um, and can the trend that we've seen over the last little bit of their most important players, their offensive drivers, finishing and, and scoring when and making plays when it matters the most. If we see that on a more regular basis in the final, what now, 43 games of the regular season, uh, I, I think that this team will win more than they lose because I do feel like they're getting more comfortable playing in, in these really tight games. And I do feel like they're starting to embrace and be more comfortable with the type of team that has to grind out a lot of wins that that's kind of who they are. And I think they're starting to, to really lean into who they are. So that to me, can they start winning more of those and maybe, maybe start if they could even, even a few empty net goals to give even themselves like 90 seconds of breathing room in a hockey game would be nice into the second half of the season. But no, I, I really do think it's, it's that. Can they turn these close games more into wins they have started to do that of late. They need to continue that in the second half of the season. All right. Good stuff, Pat. Flames don't play again until Friday against the New York Islanders. So we'll just talk to you next week on our weekly Pat Chat. Thank you, my friend. I look forward to it, friend. Bye, Hales. Okay. There goes Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk. You'll hear him coming up on Sports at 960. As you heard, he's going to have Wes Gilbertson on hour one of that show. And that conversation was brought to you by Atlas pizza and sports bar you can dine in pick up or have your game day specials delivered find out why atlas pizza is a 14-time consumer choice award winner 6060 memorial drive northeast or call 403-248-3344 that's all the time we have for today thank you to pat steinberg and to david amber two friends of the show for joining this wednesday edition of hockey central on sports at 960 and thank you to cam and taylor who put this show on and make sure that you know I'm actually coming through the airwaves. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.